one day he came over and he was like, but what is it? Like, what's the thing that makes you do that? And I, you know, I looked at him and I thought, what a great question. Someone once wiser and smarter than me said, everything moves at the speed of trust. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we're all going to struggle and how we embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. My name is Pete, and with me is my co-host Todd, and I'm really fired up for tonight's conversation. But before we get into it, what's up, Todd? Peter, Peter, how you doing? I'm doing well. I, I, I think my lead up to this recording went a little smoother than yours, but we're both here, and that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, I've been schooling struggle since, oh, I don't know, around 4 o'clock. It's afternoon. It's 5.30 now, so thank you for your patience. Getting started an hour and a half late <laughs> for a number of, let's just call it a comedy of errors that yes. led to this. Yes, let's call it that. That's a great thing to call it. Yeah. Getting locked out of your house isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. It's the things, it's the things that, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We take it in stride. My heat's back on, so hey, I'm like about that. What that yeah. cost you? Yeah. Eh, I don't like to get into details. <laughs> yeah. A couple Same. grand. Same. I was locked out. You were locked in. <laughs> I didn't good. even have to go into anyone's sock drawer to pay for this one. I did it all by myself. Good job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Today's been so, an interesting day. <laughs> interesting is good. Yeah. So, wouldn't, wouldn't want it to be boring. No. I actually have one more story because earlier... <laughs> The comments you made about being locked out were funny to me because earlier I was I work from home from my living room here, and uh, I, I be on meetings all day long. And the dog, her name's Izzy, she likes to be antisocial, and so when anybody knocks on the door, the Amazon guy, the neighbor, it doesn't matter who it is, even my, my own family, she'll just go off into a tirade of barking. And I'm like, oh, I hope nobody can hear that. Anyways, today she went off on this tirade of barking, which now I have kind of blocked out or, you know, I kind of shoot an odd look at my kid, like, go take care of the dogs. So I have to deal with this. <laughs> and like, hours later, my wife comes in. She's like, did you see what was going on? I was like, no. <laughs> Apparently, my my son parks his car next to the street. This is a whole Tacoma thing. And somebody pulled up behind it. A, a lady got out with uh, a gas can and a guy got out and went to the driver's door and tried to open it. And she had the gas can over by the, by the, uh, you know, by the filler door for the fuel. And Ryland's watching all that unfold from the front front window. And he goes out there and he's like, what are you doing to my car? And he's like, oh, this is my car. I, I just need to put some gas in. He's like, do you think I'm crazy? Like, that's your car? Like, this is clearly my car. I parked in front of my house. And they're like, oh, sorry, wrong car. And then they just took off. <laughs> that's what goes on in Tacoma. That was the highlight of the day. <laughs> I thought you were saying they were like going to try to siphon the gas out of his yeah, car because it's, they were. that's exactly what was happening <laughs> yeah, in the broad sure. daylight, right in yeah, front of your house, yeah, right in front of my house. And I was just like, huh. how can, can you siphon gas with a gas can or you need like a special pump for it or something? Well, I don't know. You, I mean, all you need is some sort of suction device or a hose and then you dump it in the gas tank, but, or a gas can, but it was just, yeah. I mean, gas prices are up in Tacoma, so, you know, yeah. times are tough. People are people yeah. are farming gas now out of vehicles on the side of the road. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Probably just that in Vermont by you. Anyway. Well, we're, we're a dollar less a gallon than you right now, so yeah. maybe in a couple of weeks we'll be there. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyways, lock up your gas doors because it could you happen. Just, just don't get caught stealing someone's maple syrup. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. We're doing that. Sorry. All right, all right. So getting back on track. <laughs> 
I've come to learn that a vast number of our listeners are not only people who are striving to be better versions of themselves, but many of the roles that they play in their lives are people who are striving to help other people be better versions of themselves. Awesome. And that's such a really cool thing. Um, you know, many people I know that listen to this podcast are teachers. There's definitely parents that are trying to school the struggles of their kids. Um, I have students who listen to this that are captains of their sports teams all different types of people that are in positions that are trying to lead or help others be better versions of themselves. And I am currently in the process, I'm actually exactly halfway through, of taking a nutrition course. And it's neat to learn about the macronutrients, the micronutrients, and its effect on human performance and health and wellness. But a big portion of the course is how to relate to people and how to help them make positive change in their life. Like, Anyone who knows anyone that's tried to make a nutritional change, it's, it's a really challenging endeavor. So a big part of this process is learning to empathize with people who are striving to make change in their life. And as I was doing my studying and my reading recently, I came across something that I thought was really helpful and I thought it would be a good thing to chat about tonight. Okay. So we talk, we've talked on multiple episodes about motivation and inspiration and those types of things. And I haven't heard it put in this sense but this book says that the, the drivers of motivation are mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And I think a good place to start would be for us to define what those are because we've received feedback that defining some of the stuff that we talk about would be really helpful so that we're all on common ground here. Um, and prior to hitting record, I asked Todd to look those definitions up for us. Mm -hmm. So if you could just make mention to the definitions of mastery autonomy and purpose, we can take it from there. Yeah, sure. I'm going to start with autonomy because I just found one that actually was a bit different than the one I found in the beginning. Uh, autonomy, it says here, is the capacity to make an informed, uncoerced decision, which I like. Uh, mastery is comprehensive knowledge or skill in a subject or accomplishment. And finally, we have purpose, which is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists as a noun or as a verb to have as one's intention or objective. Okay. So with that thought, those three factors or those three drivers of motivation in mind, now I'm going to back up to the five stages of motivation because ultimately what we are trying to do or what we're trying to help people do is to make a change or to help someone make a change that is sustainable. And when uh, a change becomes sustainable, it's no longer a change. It's just now part of your lifestyle. And we refer to that as maintenance. So it's just keeping up with it, not not striving to make that change anymore. The change is already in place and we're, mm. now it's just a regular part of our life, right? So within the stages of change, each element of motivation is important. It must be achieved to reach that maintenance. And basically the goal is to build up the competence and confidence in order to reach maintenance. So what my course was saying was that when we're trying to make a change or we're trying to help someone make a change, it's important to recognize what they call the five stages of change. And those are these. Number one, pre-contemplation. And that is basically someone who is not even aware that a behavior or a change needs to be made. People in this stage may not even be consciously aware of the risks of their behavior, and they minimize concern about the risks and have no intention to change the behavior. Then the second stage is what they call contemplation. It's when the decision balance is equal, so the person sees the cons as equal to the pros, and those barriers 
make the person not super interested in making any changes. So they're aware of the changes, but there's too many barriers and they have, don't have confidence that they can overcome those barriers. Stage three is what they call preparation. And that's when you have, or the person has the desire to change and are seeking a way or trying to find a way through it. So people in the preparation stage are ready to take action. They see the pros as greater than the cons and the decisional balance has shifted in favor of the change. So they think the change is worth making. The fourth stage is what they call action. And the action stage is characterized by uh, measurable steps toward changing one's behavior through conscious efforts. And according to what they're saying is you really need to be in that action stage for about six months for it to evolve into maintenance. And in maintenance, you're continuing to do what is needed simply to maintain the desired behavior. So people in the maintenance stage have maintained their positive changes for more than six months. They feel greater confidence about themselves and consistently rate the pros of change as greater than the cons. So they've made this commitment. They've seen the light, so to speak, and they're living out the benefits of making that change. So I found this to be very, very interesting. I actually hadn't heard of it before. Um, and I've done a lot of looking into inspiration, motivation, as aspiration, taking action, those types of things. I thought this one was, was pretty neat. So basically what they're saying is in order to get to the point where you're, you're maintaining, you need to have gone through these five stages. They haven't said specifically if you need to go through them in chronological order or if you can skip steps, but basically that there has to be a level of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. When people are given autonomy and have confidence, their level of motivation increases. When people achieve mastery over what they're doing, motivation increases. When people have a deeper sense of purpose in the things they do, they're much more motivated to do them. So I just did a lot of talking, but I'm curious to know your initial thoughts or responses to all that I just shared. Congratulations on taking a um, nutrition class to grow yourself. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, as you were reading those things, I thought of um, two things. One, I thought of the coaching class that I'm in and these coaching things that I've taken and how those um, touch on points of not, they don't articulate it as well, I don't think, or maybe it doesn't resonate with me in that way. Those are very succinct, the ones you just read, and they seem like they're very actionable when I think back across instances in my own life where I have I have done something in that way to create a new habit, to create a new a new standard, I guess, is the best way I look at it. It also seems to me that they're a bit more psychologically just prescriptive. Like here are the, I, I, and I think they're actually in chronological order. I don't know if you can skip one. Maybe you could if you're really good at it. But I think of them as kind of the more nuts and bolts about how do you get somebody, that's not the right word, how do you inspire or empower somebody to make those changes within themselves? And I think diet is a, is a huge one, right? Because it's often like, you know, oh, I could change the way I go for a walk or I could change the way I, you know, uh, do the dishes. But if I have to change the way I do something as fundamental as how I eat, like that's that's a hard sell for a lot of people, right? And we've gone over that with sugar and all these different things. So um, a lot of changes are straight. I mean, quite frankly, for many people, it just aren't worth making that change. Like I'm not going to give up this to maybe get that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And the second thing I thought, um, there was a guy at work that I used to work with, his name was Mark. And Mark was um, stage two diabetic and he, you know, he would take insulin shots and he would monitor his, you know, blood glu glu glucose level and all these different things with the doctor. And it was, it was obvious looking at him that he was just very overweight and wasn't, and, and just lacked 
esteem in that area of, of diet. And, and, you know, he would watch me come in every day. And of course I'm changing my diet all the time, you know, and I'm, you know, telling about CrossFit and all these crazy things and I'm making all these cookies. And he's like, one day he came over and he was like, but what is it? Like, what's the thing that makes you do that? And I, you know, I looked at him and I thought, what a great question, because I don't know what the thing is. It's just that I'm just interested in, in playing with those dials where he didn't even see the levers himself. And so I, I got him on this thing and, and it's right. Cause as you were telling me, it's like, yeah, it would, I went through pre-contemplation. I was like, aren't you tired of like, you know, taking insulin all the time and having to get these, you know, you got these needles, you got to poke yourself. And then a couple of weeks later, he was like, yeah, you know, you're kind of right. My doctor, you know, I don't really like doing that. And he, we went through all of these steps in a very long time. And then finally he switched his diet and turned it all the way around and to watch him bloom and to watch him say, you know, he came into work one day and he would wait for me to get there. And he's like, guess what? And I'm like, what? And he's like, I'm not taking more prescriptions today. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So it's like those wins. But when you're talking about mastery, like all of those things come into play to see somebody overcome and create something new about themselves. And so I think that, um, I think that's cool. And there's one more part. Um, we've said this before and I say this all the time, but how do you make the horse thirsty? And I think this is a yeah. recipe for, for some of that, right? That's what I think. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, while I was reading this, I was actually thinking, looking at the five stages going, all right, like I'm somewhere in each of these <laughs> with different, with different goals or facets of my life. Right. Like yep. I have friends that are incredibly environmentally conscious and they, there's so much about my lifestyle that is wasteful, consumeristic that I don't even recognize, you know, so that's just one little example of like my friend to be like, oh, you know. We do it this way. I'm like, holy crap. I don't know if we've even considered doing it that way. Right. You know? So that's like, that's totally that pre-contemplation. Like, yeah, nothing. I'm doing everything right. Like, you know, I compost my stuff and bring my stuff to recycling. Like, what else do I need to do? Yeah. And there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. You know, so I was thinking, all right, where am I on each? You know, where, what's an example from my life where I could be in each of these steps? Mm. But I have a really difficult time reading and learning about stuff and just keeping it to myself. Like I want to share it with the world and particularly my students, which is one of the reasons why I really felt compelled to start this podcast. I can't just lay in bed at night and read like a self-help book and be like, oh, that's cool. I should try that. I'm like, no, no, no. Like how can I put this in language that the people that I care most about can really digest this and, and apply to their lives? You ever thought I drive my teacher? <laughs> I drive myself batty with that stuff. Yeah. So when I'm reading this stuff, I'm going, well, this is cool, but like what what do I do with this? How do I take these five stages to help anyone that I know that's trying to make a lifestyle change? And often in my world, it is nutrition or fitness related. That's where people tend to come to me for the stuff. I mean, as we're having more of these conversations, people are finding out about our content. People are coming to me for more mindset stuff, which is really cool. Hmm. Like, as you know, I'm not a certified anything, but I'm an expert in what I'm interested in, I guess. Nice. Not really, but um, so anyway, so I got to thinking, all right, like, so what are the next steps then for me? And lo and behold... <laughs> as I continued to read, they shared some stuff that I thought was really helpful. And this is part of the reason why I wanted to bring it on the show tonight. So they talk about what they call motivational interviewing. And I think that's just a fancy word for having a good conversation with somebody. And basically they recommend or part of the process, and this is uh, developed by clinical psychologist William Miller and Steve Rolnick. So this is like backed by, I don't know, some, mm -hmm. some people that seem to know they're that definitely know more than me. <laughs> and they said, so, and, and I love this first one. So if you want to help someone be a better version of themselves, and you want to connect with them in that journey and partner with them, the first thing you need to do is express empathy through reflective listening, right? Because when someone feels understood, they're more likely to trust you right. and 
as um, someone once wiser and smarter than me said, everything moves at the speed of trust. Now, we could do a whole different episode on that. Which yes, we could. So, um, so that's number one. Express empathy through reflective listening. Number two would be uncover ambivalences. And for the sake of our podcast here, because I didn't know the actual definition of ambivalence. Ambivalence is having mixed feelings or contradictory ideas about something. So somebody that might want to make a change has contradictory ideas or is trepidatious about what they're going to do with that process. And we can help them work through that. Another one is avoid argument and direct confrontation. So um, it's not so much I'm the guru and I'm telling you what to do is I want to learn, understand where you're at so that I can help you. So avoiding argument and direct confrontation and then um, adjust to their resistance rather than opposing it directly. So if I'm in the process where I'm trying to help someone and they're resisting something, then this happens to me every day in school while I'm trying to help a student like, oh, we should try this movement. They're like, well, I'm not going to do that movement. Instead of saying, no, you have to do this movement. Say, okay, the stimulus of this movement is this. How can we get the same stimulus doing something else? And if you're not familiar with the term, the stimulus is just what you're trying to get out of the workout, what you're what you're trying to garner from the exercise. So if it's a, a core movement and a kid doesn't want to do a sit-up, we can find another way to enhance the student's core strength. Awesome. So that's that's adjusting to the resistance rather than opposing it. I think that's where <laughs> PE teachers from back in the day get such a bad rap, right? They, they oppose everything. You're going to climb the rope. You're going to do it with a uniform on. Until right. you fall on the ground. <laughs> yeah. My brother, who's uh, three years older than me, said that when he was in third grade, he got in the, the initial club in his uh, PE class. And what they did was they climbed a rope that was hanging from the basketball gym ceiling. So high, like yeah. probably over 20, 20 feet high. Feet, He's yeah. a third grader. You climb up with a pencil in your mouth. And you get to the top and you take the pencil and you write your initials on the ceiling of the gym and then you climb down. Classic 80s right Not there. Not too shabby. Yeah, totally getting off task. And then the last one is to support the person with encouragement and optimism. So um, those are really helpful for me. Like express empathy, uncover ambivalence, avoid argument and confrontation, adjust rather than oppose, and support with encouragement and optimism. Hmm. And I think, man, if every little league coach in the world were to see that, I think Little League would be a much happier place for for everybody. Yeah, um, yeah so <laughs> this is just some really cool stuff. The whole point why I wanted to have this podcast is to just share the cool stuff that I'm learning. And yeah. I think that this is, uh, this, is, this is helpful for me. It's interesting for me to hear you say that because the way that I observe you – I had in purpose in in person when we, when I came and visit and I and I still see it actually I I feel it more now through these conversations and through your reflection of what you do but to me all five of those points you already knocked those out of the park and if I think about the conversation we had last week about write down a, a like the steps by which we do those things I think that if you if you did that exercise you would find that you already have a serious toolbox with multiple things in it that do this work. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I Not think it's that easy. you don't think you could get better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's easy just to, to, to look at where our shortcomings are. And I think I tend to do that, yeah. but, um, fair. Yeah. I, you know, one big struggle that keeps coming up in our conversations in our, in our schooling struggle focus here is lifestyle change or change of any nature. And this is just a completely different way to look at it for me. Um, and it's just so fascinating to think about all the things that I need to, sh that I should change that I don't, that I'm not even aware of, hmm. you know, 
Um, Why? Just because you found this in a book? No, it's like, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. So it gets me thinking like, what is it that I don't know that I need to, <laughs> to, to think about? You know, like I was leaving, I, I uh, had a meeting with an equity coordinator of our district and I was leaving the meeting and I said to the people in the meeting, as I was leaving, I had to leave early. And I said, I'll see you guys later. Oh, yeah. And it was, right. you know, it was just uh, a group of all sexes and genders. And uh, I made that comment. And I walked away going, nope, like I, there's a better way for me to do that. Uh-huh. Even if I need to sound Southern and say y'all, I need to say y'all instead of you guys. It's, it's just little things like that. And then, yeah. so it's like, all right, what else am I doing that I don't notice that? You know, I'm in this pre-contemplation stage. And that, so so one thing I want to talk about is how do we get from that pre-contemplation stage to that stage two where we're now aware of it and then we have to decide if we want to even go forward with making the effort to make the change. Interesting. Yeah. Right? So like, so is it my wife's role to help me with that? I hope so. Is it my daughter's role to help me with that? I hope so. Like every person that's in my life. Wow. Like I, I want to be a type of person where people are comfortable enough coming to me and saying, yo, like you, you should think about fixing this thing or you should think about, you know, considering this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think we have a whole conversation about that too, but I think that there's a couple key elements there. I think, I think one is, um, you have to be open to that obviously, right? Like people have to feel like it's safe to tell you what you, what you have told them that you want. Right. And, but you also have to have people around you who are, um, diverse enough to give you different perspectives that aren't just in your constant purview, right? Like your daughter and your wife, like you live with them. So they already know like, oh, the old man's going to throw the bread out the window. I better be careful. You know what I mean? Like, so there's, there's like, you have, you know, what is it they say? Uh, surround yourself with five people or I, I don't know. I can't remember yeah, exactly what it's you called. You are the sum or you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Right. And so equally yeah. for them, but um, it's, it's very interesting. How can you not know what you don't know? And I think that's really the only way, right? Is is you have to hold a space for people and have that awareness that I know I can be, I can do better. And you have to articulate that as well. So I think the first one is, surround yourself with people who you can trust or and that trust you and second is lean into the discomfort and say i don't know what i'm doing but i would really like to know your thoughts on that and i think that those two are the magic mixture to get to number two a complicate complete contemplation contemplation yeah yeah Yeah, it's interesting i i really fell in love with the term better than yesterday many many years ago and i paid way too much to have a giant banner hung up in the space that I teach that says better than yesterday on it. And the more I, the more I kind of dig deep into what it takes to be a better version of yourself, the more I'm learning that like those three words are continuing to resonate with me in more and more and more powerful ways. Right. So that's like the better than yesterday can mean many, many, many things to many, many, many people. But as we're having this conversation right now in real time, this unflow, it's, it's unfurling in my mind being like, all right, so if I approach each day, willing to will with the willingness to try to find where I can be better in places that I don't recognize I can be better than yesterday which is really fascinating it is fascinating we also have the same pen which is fascinating um have you ever thought was holding the pen up to the camera as I was talking is that weird we I was distracted and we have the exact same pen yeah. 3,000 miles out of the country Who that's knew? just crazy but it's like I can be better each day if I'm just willing to seek out where I'm, you where I'm it. willing to be better. You nailed it with the key word being willing. And I, how do you feel about days? Let me ask you this, Peter. You ever get up on days and you're like, today's not going to be better than yesterday. 
like you just know it in your mind or is there a, like a like a maybe it's not when you wake up like like today for example for me like all of these things unraveled and created this microcosm of chaos and it's very hard for me to think to myself in that i can make this better than yesterday like do you ever have those i get that question um asked in different ways on a very regular basis hmm. and i think and maybe I'm just really, really headstrong and just really, really stubborn and not in a positive way, but just I have beat like a drum into my head that I can learn. If you don't win, if we're not winning, we're learning, right? And I, I think that's that's where I feel like I can be better than yesterday. So, so when a bunch of quote unquote bad things happen, that's an awesome opportunity for me to learn. And the mm-hmm. only way that I'm going to be better is if I learn. And I've shared in the past, I truly don't believe in bad days, just challenging moments within 24-hour periods. So it's like, oh, this moment might be challenging, but there's going to be many, many opportunities for me today to be a better version of myself. And these obstacles are only going to help me get there. So no, I don't ever think that today is not going to be a day that's going to be better than yesterday. Mm -hmm. Now, in reality, of of course, that, that happens, but it's never my mindset. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I absolutely love how much I can learn from you. Cause earlier, I was um, driving back to the gym to get my keys. And I told you this earlier before the show, but I thought, what would Peter do? <laughs> and I actually thought that. I wasn't just screwing with you. I was like, I wonder what Peter would do in this case. And it, and like, I, I obviously, I have my own pause mechanisms and my, you know, my own, obviously, I'm a, my own person. But I, it's very interesting t- for me to think about what is it that makes it so much different for certain people to go a certain way and other people to fall back. And, and I think that there's a lot to discuss there and a lot, especially like for the people that, you know, we're hoping to meet with this podcast or we're hoping to inspire, like, because especially we talk about diet, like all these things that we kind of touch on is it's so easy to fall back, but how do you maintain that forward looking positivity to keep going forward right and i think that's where a lot of people fail like we talked about last time oh well you know i've I've already done a bad thing to my diet today so i don't need to do anything until tomorrow right and it just keeps coming the next tomorrow so i guess my question or there's a question in here and along those lines then of you're better than yesterday and how you think about that where would you say you're on the five points of the thing like are you in the action phase and number four it it totally depends on the scenario Uh, right so it's like with this aspect of my life, I'm in definitely in the pre-contemplation stage. And with that aspect of my life, I'm definitely in contemplation. And and in, with this thing that I'm working on, I'm in the preparation stage. And in certain aspects of my life, I'm definitely action. And in certain aspects of my life, I'm not. Like I'm, I'm putting stuff off and I'm procrastinating. Yeah, I get up every morning at 4.30 and I work out. So I got the maintenance with yeah. that piece. But I don't have... You know, there's some relationships that I that I need to do better with. There's definitely, you know, nutrition stuff. There's mindset stuff. There's, you know, being a better, you know, person with the role that I fill for the different people in my life. So I, I, I think there's literally infinite yeah. places where I am on this. We all are on this scale with different things. So this comes down to like this this one thing that I'm trying to help with this person. Like maybe the goal is not to eat fast food. All right. Like, all right, so with eating fast food, where are you on the scale? Or with mm. working out five times a week, where are you on the scale? Or with not losing your temper when yeah. somebody treats you a certain way, where are you on the scale? And I think it's overwhelming to think about all the different places that we – and that's the question I get is, 
is it exhausting trying to live better than yesterday all the time? Or why do we have to be better? Why can't we just be? Is it, you know, mm-hmm. is, is that the point to always be better? And my response to the person who posed that question was, so do you feel like you're more meaningful and more fulfilled if you're just being rather than striving to be better? And the person responded, yes. I said, well, in my mind, that's being better. You are, you know, you're striving for something. And for me, that's being better. How we word it or the nuances or the uh, semantics that we label it as are all different. But yeah, so. Well, then the question becomes, or the next question is, how do you know the things that you're going to place your grading system on that? Or is it everything? Like, because pri- I feel like priority is close behind, right? Or or maybe in front of it. Like, okay, of all of these things I know I could be, you know, in this range of one to five, how do I know which ones are more, more meaningful to focus on at any given point in time? Or do you just take them as they come and you just assign them a, I'm, I'm, this is where I'm at on this thing. Well, I, I think, think I think lost, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that boils down to the values that we've talked yeah. about and the principles like, you know, um, is my family more important than the dog food, right? Or whatever. Right. It is. Like I recall you saying that one of your, your core values is justice. So you should be prior to uh, prioritizing that over some other things, yeah. right? Like whether, you know, the, the dog crap is picked up in the yard. Yeah. Like that's, you know what I mean? For some people having that yard pristine, <laughs> there's some I don't know anything there actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about, about your, your yard or your dogs or anything. I know you have dogs. I know yeah, you have yards. Dog, I guess they poop in the yard. There but for go. some people having that pristine yard is a, you know, that's one of their core values yeah. is to, you know, so, you know, um, those types of things, but you know, so I do love the five factors. Um, so I think those are things that are within our control, yeah. you know, our, our sleep, our nutrition, our fitness, our mindset, and how we connect with other people. I think that's, that's a big one. Uh, for many people, there's a religious piece in there as well, for sure. And then I think it's, what are my core values to live, love, learn, and lead um, with a strong mind, a healthy body, and a grateful spirit. Nice. So Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh-huh. I heard the li- uh, live, love, learn, and lead thing, but it turns out that that's his eighth. That's his his eighth habit: to live, love, <laughs> learn, and leave a legacy. Oh, wow. I like I like lead better because that's like kind of because my teaching thing. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't even know that 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 originally came from him. Look at you. Nice yeah. work. I don't know. Yeah, what do you that's... think about that? Like about what part? What you asked me about, like where you are on cert- on those stages with certain aspects of your life. Like how how do you prioritize or how do you go about your day to day with that better than yesterday mentality and where do you where do you put your energy and your bandwidth I never actually think about it to be quite honest unless it's I, like right in my face I think you're better off <laughs> I don't think so actually yeah. like I, I I see how you could get lost in it and then yep. and then like uh, I'm just gonna you know ruminate on this like how terrible I am I'm only a step one when clearly I think I should be a step three but I th- I think having an awareness of these things can help you narrow in that focus on what it is that you find compels you or or the how you map yourself to those values it's it's um i think the value work has to be done first or maybe in in parallel or close in, close in parallel but um i've never actually seen uh all together in one spot like all of those kind of um 
you know, waypoints. It's kind of like a map, like, oh, here's how you do this thing, right? Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting for me to um, find out what book that is and buy that and figure that out <laughs> because it's funny finding a nutrition book of all the places on right. earth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've mentioned this in past episodes too, but the uh, awareness, intention, action. So it almost knocks those five into three. You know, I guess the, the one before awareness is that pre-contemplation. So I guess that's that's just not even included in that 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 ladder or that rung of ladder. Yeah. Um, but you need the awareness first. And then once you have the awareness, it's your choice whether to make that intentional. And then once it's intentional in your mind, then to take that action. Um, I, I like that one a lot as well. Yeah. For me, I like the five because it's a little more um, succinct mm. in how, how it comes down. Plus, it's really easy. I mean, I think you just live it every day. So you like to have it a little more generalized. But um, I think it's really important for me that I don't come off or I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't appear that like, I think I, I have it figured out. Like just because I'm interested in this stuff, I, I'm just I'm learning. Yeah, I, well, I think that I was going to say this earlier too when I uh, interrupted you and said, "Oh, you should be a teacher." I, I learned that there's uh, different learning modalities. Obviously, you you probably know this because you are a teacher. But um, one of the best ways to actually learn and retain something is to immediately share it what you've learned with other people. And I'm like, I see you do that all the time. And I think this yeah. is just, this just underlines the fact that <laughs> you you don't think you know everything. It's just, you just want to share about this cool thing that you learn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm very excited to share this. Stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for listening to me. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I'm glad you made it inside your house. Yeah, it was great. And I'm glad your computer works. Yeah. We went to start the podcast and the service was down, but we're, we're you're recovered. Microsoft, we're, we're good. You're a Microsoft engineer, you can turn your computer <laughs> off and turn it back on. It's amazing. Yeah, you can always reboot. That's that's number one. <laughs> well, that, that should be the the, the name of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> always <laughs> reboot. Yep, always reboot. Or pre-boot. Yeah. It could be the pre-boot. You never know. You have to that's true. Pre-contemplate. <laughs> yeah. Is a pre-boot like when you get kicked out before you get kicked out? <laughs> Could be. Or that's when you when you know it's all going bad, and you're like, I should preboot this thing. <laughs> One of my favorite stand-up comedy acts of all time, George Carlin, and he talks about the airplanes, and he says, "Pre-board does that mean you get on before you get on?" <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, George Carlin was great. Uh, all right, all right. Wow. So, hopefully, those of you out there that are listening, you can apply something that you might have learned tonight, either to your life or to helping someone else be a better version of themselves. With that said, we're so appreciative of your ears. We thank you for your time. We're incredibly grateful for your attention. The Schooling Struggle Podcast is out. See ya. See ya.